Welcome. I'm Dr. Angela Mazza, a thyroid, endocrine, and metabolism specialist with an integrated practice in Central Florida. As our listeners know, my goal for this podcast is to define and demystify the thyroid gland and thyroid-related medical conditions. By providing information in an easy-to-understand format, I hope to help patients better understand the ways in which their bodies work and to help them thrive. I'm glad that Dawn Sheffield, my friend and co-host, is here with me for episode 21. I'm always glad and a little bit surprised to be here. (laughs) It's lovely to be invited back. Thank you, especially for episode 21, Lucky 21. I'm so proud we made it this far. (laughs) Me too. I'm glad we started this effort. (laughs) Me too. Uh, I love this show. Um, As our listeners know, creating it was not a calculated move, uh, not at all, but it just came back about so organically and all because we were having a laughter filled chat. <laughs> so didn't see that coming. To no, quote, no. To quote a famous friend of ours. Um, <laughs> I also want to thank you for being such a great guest on our Aww. previous episode, number 20, where I had the pleasure of interviewing <laughs> you. Well done. I'd, I'd like to say I enjoyed it. Mm. <laughs> Wish I could say I like talking about myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I have to say I found it to be very interesting. And that listener with the three-part question, they must have found it interesting too. <laughs> I guess so, so see, there's two people right there who found it very interesting. I did enjoy some parts. Like that listener's interest and in where we talked about how patients can be direct participants in their own care. Talking about myself was a bit uncomfortable, though. I'd love to hear what our listeners think about it. I hope they let us know. I do, too. So when we announced the subject of this episode on our last show, I said something like, is the problem your thyroid or something else? I I accidentally said the words something else. Like there was something mysterious, scary behind the door. And I realized later that I was expressing an underlying subconscious feeling on my part that for so many of us, our weight really might be mysterious. Uh, Friends and I have certainly struggled uh, and continue to struggle. And we're not ignorant about our weight, whether we want to gain or lose or stay the same. It's just that I think some of us feel our bodies don't work the way they once did or the way that some healthcare providers, our families, our society, uh, the way they think they should, or we feel they simply do not work the way that other people's bodies seem to work. And I'm often curious about what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, that's a, that's a great kind of observation. Um, my thoughts are that everyone's different. So many things have the potential to affect our weight, and likely it's a combination of factors. And when we're talking about weight, pounds or LBs, they don't tell the whole story. I always reinforce to my patients, one, do not weigh yourself every day. And two, try not to be motivated by external numbers. The important thing with body weight is that the goal is health. Pounds and body mass index or BMI are a fraction of the big picture percent body fat, waist circumference, and overall inflammation are are more important. Furthermore, our goal with weight should be that we strive to be as healthy as we can be today and for years down the line, avoiding obesity-related issues like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and certain cancers. Well, I know this episode is really packed already, and 
I know we cannot add any more today, but you mentioned their BMI. So I'd like to do a follow-up episode on this entire subject, but there's just so much to it. Again, that's why we can't do any more today, but I especially want to address BMI and what current scientific thought is about its value. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We'll, We'll definitely follow up on this. Good. Well, the thing is the number of weight-related topics we considered for this episode and that we wanted to include was mind-boggling. It was a crazy list. It was a crazy <laughs> list. It filled up both sides, single space of one, at least one paper. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'm glad that that's good. We'll do that. <laughs> and as you know, we've renamed this episode, uh, Trouble With Your Weight. Is it your thyroid or something else? Because many folks want to lose weight, but many other people struggle to gain or to keep an appropriate amount of weight on their bodies. That too might be thyroid-related or something else. Uh, we're going to discuss that in a bit too. Well, trying to detangle complex facts from fiction. I'm thinking that maybe a good place to start would be a description of what metabolism actually is and how it works. <laughs> that could be an entire episode too. There's a lot to it. I'll try and explain it briefly in a way that'll help us better understand it as it relates to today's subject. We tend to think of metabolism as how our body takes in food and drink and converts it to energy. Yes, that's true. But really, metabolism refers to the countless enzyme reactions in our bodies that help us maintain life. What's the thyroid gland's role in metabolism? The thyroid gland produces thyroid hormone. Um, Thyroid hormone is the key messenger that influences those countless reactions that are involved in our body's metabolism to keep us going. But how does that tiny thyroid gland impact our overall weight? Well, the thyroid hormone from that tiny thyroid gland impacts whether we store energy and fat or if we burn energy. So if our body doesn't have enough thyroid hormone, like if you're on medicine, or we are overtly hypothyroid, we may gain weight or we may have difficulty losing weight. Conversely, if our body has too much thyroid hormone, we may lose weight. However, that's not always the case in hyperthyroidism. Please remember, body weight really isn't the whole picture when it comes to metabolic health, because it's a combination of all components of our body, fat, muscle, bone, and water. Well, how does hypothyroidism, that is underactive thyroid, how does it cause weight gain? Hypothyroidism can contribute to weight gain and difficulty losing weight. When we don't have enough thyroid hormone, we're not making energy. We're at an energy standstill. Plus, hypothyroidism is associated with fluid retention and edema. Um, Once thyroid levels are more normal, that loss of fluid retention leads to quick loss of weight that's not related to fat loss. Is it true for everybody with an underactive thyroid? No, not for everyone with hypothyroidism. It depends upon the extent and duration of the hypothyroidism. Well, is it your thyroid or something else? Um, What exactly might be that something else that we keep alluding to? And is more than one something else possible? Uh, Where to start? (laughs) Remember that the thyroid does not operate in a vacuum. (laughs) We have other hormones that the body is trying to keep in balance. Our sex hormones do play a role. Many women notice challenges with weight gain in perimenopause and menopause that can be related to changes in hormones, like estrogen and progesterone. Many men start having challenges with weight gain, as well as muscle loss associated with testosterone. And I haven't even brought up cortisol yet. (laughs) 
uh, to make matters even more complicated, our adipose tissue, that's our fat, is also metabolically active. It makes hormones called adipokines that further influence weight, not to mention hormones that come from our gut that play a role in appetite. This is a very complex topic, but if I had to pick one issue that's the biggest, it would have to do with insulin and the presence of insulin resistance. Alterations in all of these hormones, including thyroid hormone, can contribute to the state of insulin resistance. To my mind, this is just not just frustrating for my patients that are trying to lose weight, but it is a state that puts them at risk for chronic diseases like type 2 diabetes. And I'm really curious about insulin resistance. I had never heard of it outside of this office. Well, how do you imagine it? Oh, well, here's this show's <laughs> embarrassing moment. Um, Not at all. I'm sure a lot of people have that same question. Well, they might have the same question, but they might not have the same way of understanding it. That's, gotcha. the, that's the embarrassing part. <laughs> um, so I'll just, you know, I'll just lay it out there. Um, so, okay, I imagine that if insulin and glucose, also known as blood sugar, mm-hmm. were going to cross a street together, Insulin, who is the adult here, tries to hold blood sugar's hand, so to speak, to keep blood sugar levels safe. Blood sugar pretends to go along with this plan, but at the last minute, snatches his hand away, resisting insulin's moderating influence, and runs wildly down the middle of the street, causing all sorts of chaos. So insulin, secreted by the pancreas for its task, has failed to keep our raging blood sugar within a safe range. And now that I say that out loud, that sounds like I'm describing diabetes, and I'm assuming that they're related. Well, I I see where you're going with this analogy, Dawn. (laughs) Another of the crazy analogies. (laughs) I got you. you. Um, Insulin resistance is a spectrum, really. Only early in the spectrum do we see increased insulin production to keep glucose levels in check. Next, we see elevated insulin levels as well as glucose levels creeping steadily up. The end of that spectrum is type 2 diabetes and insulin levels tend to decline. The time to act is in the first half of the spectrum to prevent the progression towards the end end of the spectrum. This is reversible, especially early on. So in that scenario, if you rein in blood sugar and you don't let it run crazy down the middle of the street. Right. Okay, gotcha. You got it. Well, how is insulin resistance connected to weight loss and to metabolism? Well, it's important to remember that insulin itself is a hormone. It's produced by our pancreas in response mainly to glucose in our system after we eat a meal. Insulin is a storage hormone and a growth hormone. So as long as glucose is high, insulin will keep storing glucose away in fat stores. Unfortunately, when glucose remains high, insulin starts storing away in other tissues too, like our liver and our muscle. Our tissues start to not respond to the signal that insulin is sending, so the pancreas has to work harder. The end result is further increase in insulin levels. So in essence, this insulin resistance puts our body in a constant storing state. When insulin, resist- when insulin resistance is high, it's very difficult to lose weight because our body is stuck in a storing state. Was there, and is there still resistance, no pun intended, to the <laughs> idea that a gland as small as the thyroid really plays such a powerful role in weight management? I don't think so, but I do think the resistance lies in blaming only the thyroid when it comes to weight. 
If hypothyroidism is reversed, does weight loss always happen? Ideally, our thyroid levels should be in balance. Then the benefits of meal planning and exercise on body weight will will pay off. So to clarify, when we say reversed, what do we mean? Reversed with medication? Well, reversed can mean thyroid hormone replacement, but it can also mean all the integrative therapies that we talk so much about on our podcast. Like, for example, replacing important micronutrients so that the, the thyroid has raw materials to work best, addressing gut health, and balancing our other hormones. So can exercise really rev up a sluggish metabolism? Exercise is definitely great for metabolism. Muscle burns energy, so increasing lean muscle mass also increases how we make and use energy. Can exercise alone cause someone to shed pounds? Rarely is exercise enough. Um, I always say sleep is just as important as exercise. Nutrition is about 80% of weight loss. So we often try to exercise it off. Right. It's It's not not always going to work. Okay. So now to shift gears. Let's talk about the opposite of underactive thyroid. So I'm now referring to hyperthyroidism, that is overactive thyroid. Does hyperthyroidism cause weight loss for everyone who has it? No, that's just not the case. What about insulin resistance? Can it negatively impact those who are hyperthyroid? That is those who have trouble keeping weight on. So not all people who have hyperthyroidism have trouble keeping weight on, first off. I actually have many patients who gain weight in this circumstance. Mm, wow. Really? Yeah. That's kind I of counter goes that. against what you would think, right? This is mainly due to the effect of stress. So hyperthyroidism is a very stressful state. You know, you might not be sleeping, you may feel anxious and so on. All the symptoms that go along with too much thyroid hormone production. So remember when we talk about stress and cortisol? Yes. Well, cortisol increases insulin resistance, which in turn leads to weight gain. People who lose weight with hyperthyroidism are not dealing with insulin resistance as their main issue. They're burning not only fat, but muscle in the energy overdrive state. While we're talking about weight loss, um, it's really in the news right now. So can you explain what it is? Sure. Semaglutide is a part of a group of medicines called GLP-1 agonists. GLP-1 stands for glucagon-like peptide 1. GLP-1 is a hormone that's released from the gut in response to a meal. So when we eat, GLP-1 increases. GLP-1 increases insulin secretion and sensitivity and decreased glucagon, another hormone released from the pancreas that prevents blood glucose from dropping too low. It's in a, our body's in a constant state of trying to balance. But GLP-1 also has been shown to decrease appetite and slow gut motility. And by motility, do you mean it slows down the actions of the gut, the processes of the gut? Just the overall movement of the gut. So GLP-1 agonists are medications that were designed originally to help with type 2 diabetes and blood glucose control. There's been a number of them over the years. The first one was Bieta, if anyone remembers Bieta, um, or Xenotide around 2005. You know, believe it or not, this medicine was actually developed from the venom of a Gila monster. I how did they even? I have think no. To, don't don't ask uh, me. That's amazing. <laughs> what what we found over the years with this class of meds was that it not only helped with blood sugar, it also helped with weight loss. So weight loss is a side effect of decreasing insulin resistance. 
So Ozempic or semaglutide came on the market in 2017 from Novo Nordisk. It's a good medicine, but quite similar to others in its class. Novo Nordisk marketed it on the weight loss potential in 2017, very creatively, and named the same medicine Wagovi, specifically branded for weight loss. Same exact med, <laughs> different packaging. It works well for weight loss for some people, but so do the other meds in this GLP-1 agonist class. And you know, I was not familiar with the word agonist until we started putting this together. And at first I thought you were saying antagonist. Will you explain an agonist? Sure, an agonist kind of increases the end result, whereas an antagonist causes the counter force. Okay, of course, that makes sense. Um, well, now I'm going to say it Southern again. <laughs> is semaglutide? Now I can't say it at all. I said semaglutide. Why don't you pronounce it the proper? Semaglutide. Okay. <laughs> is that the primary shared ingredient in at least some of the various injectable weight loss products that we hear so much about? Um. Yes. Yeah, this is some. Now I'm saying yeah. 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 Yes, to some degree. So yeah, I, <laughs> You're rubbing off on me. <laughs> That's what happens. The prescription Ozempic or Wagovi is the only true FDA-approved form of semaglutide. We do get into some legal matters when it comes to making a generic of a trademark product. Um, So some compounding pharmacies had gotten into the semaglutide game. So taking a sample of semaglutide, added B12 or other fat burners into the sample, then redosed it, usually to be dispensed through like a weight loss clinic. You mentioned reducing insulin resistance. How does it additionally work to cause weight loss. So semaglutide not only decreases insulin resistance, it makes you feel fuller faster. So it limits your portion. But remember, insulin resistance is an inflammatory state. So by decreasing insulin resistance, we're decreasing inflammation that may be holding back weight loss. In your initial notes for this episode, it seemed like you might have alluded to a concern some people may have regarding thyroid cancer. Is there a reason for concern or did I just misread that? No, you're, you're right. There, there are a couple different parts to this question. So first, in the initial animal studies on the GLP-1 agonist class in medicines, there was found to be an increase in medullary thyroid cancer. This is a very specific and rare type of thyroid cancer found in the C cells of the thyroid. So this was seen in rats. So rats have very different thyroids than humans, and they have a lot more C cells than we do. Furthermore, in the studies, they were dosing the rats with vastly more medication than a human would be treated with. This warning was based off of animal studies, and really this concern has never really translated to humans. Next, there has been some disagreement in the literature on risk for papillary thyroid cancer in humans and GLP-1s. Papillary thyroid cancer is the most common type of thyroid cancer. It's very slow growing. There really isn't a consensus on this risk, and it depends upon the study you're looking at. You're saying there really is not a strong... There's not. That, okay, there not really a strong isn't. consensus. Okay. Yeah. Good. So here's, here's my take for what it's worth. <laughs> One, um, we're probably looking more closely for thyroid cancers in persons on this class of med, which is good. Right. That's always a good thing. Two... Insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, and inflammation itself, these are all strongly related to the development of thyroid cancer. So losing weight would be beneficial, yes, but if the stage has already been set by years of inflammation, the thyroid cancer could have already been there and just not detected. With anything, you know, there's a risk versus benefit. So when it comes to this issue, 
I think that the benefits far outweigh the risks. You know, one reason that so many folks enjoy this podcast is that they want to learn more about the thyroid, sort of like we were just talking about. Right. Um, and I learned so much from your book that I believe it will help others too. In fact, your book made it Aww. possible for me to get through Thank many you. of the episodes. It, it was very, um, very educational, very helpful, and very interesting. Um, are there any updates on the book's release date? Well, thank you for asking. Um, You're welcome. I knew you would not bring it up. <laughs> We're finishing up the webinar to introduce the online masterclass. So fingers crossed, the book will be released in September 2023. That way, the book and the online material will be coordinated. The masterclass will go a little more in depth from what the book covers. There'll be modules that cover topics like diagnosis of thyroid issues, personalized treatment, gut healing, and much more. I know you love gut healing. I do. You know I do. Plus some bonuses that are also going to be available. It'll be very informative, but fun. Yeah, see, gut healing. And you captured just my interest right there and everybody <laughs> else's with gut healing. Well, I hope so. Gut health is really important. Um, <laughs> so listeners, thank you for sharing your time with us. We'll continue this discussion on weight in our next episode. But I hope this discussion was helpful for you. Let us know. I wanted to do this podcast to provide life-saving education and to encourage folks to see a doctor in time to prevent or minimize damage. That's deeply fulfilling. I enjoy helping folks understand how all aspects of their lives are tied to both thyroid and overall health. As always, my goal is to help us live more fulfilling lives by taking control of our health and thus feel our best. In fact, this is why I went into endocrinology. It's a medical art that combines science with the study of our lives and all that they encompass. And as always, we hope our listeners will continue listening to Thyroid Talk with Dr. Angela Mazza. We have many more interesting episodes and guests planned. We'll build on today's foundation and cover many topics we hope you'll find meaningful. Now to recap just some of what we covered in today's episode, not necessarily in this order. What is metabolism and how does it work? How the thyroid controls metabolism. How the thyroid impacts your weight insulin resistance, does hypothyroidism cause weight gain, does hypothyroidism cause weight loss for everyone who has it, and how smaglutide works. <laughs> Thank you. That was great. That was beautifully done. Uh, and best of all, I could not listen to myself say it one more time. And best of all, we learned that we can impact our thyroid health. As Dr. Mazza mentioned, in our next episode, number 22, We'll continue this discussion on weight. And please watch for pre-order availability for Dr. Maz's book, Thyroid Talk, An Integrative Guide to Optimal Thyroid Health. Plus, as mentioned, there will be an online master course related to the book to help guide you to optimal thyroid health. So the online course will help you walk the talk to energize your life. For more information on the book release, when that info is available, forward your name and email to thyroidtalk.maza gmail.com or our website at metaboliccenterforwellness.com. For information on at least some of the supplements we may discuss on the show, please visit the wellness store at metaboliccenterforwellness.com. Full disclosure, I personally use and I carry supplements by Douglas Laboratories and Pure Encapsulations in both my office and at our online site. Please stay in touch. Check out my YouTube channel at Dr. Angela Mazza, the website at Metabolic Center for Wellness, as well as our Facebook and Instagram. And now we have TikTok too. Oh, what a 
wonderful. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, I'm up in my social media game. Congratulations. <laughs> what fun. Um, well, we welcome your input. And it takes a lot of pressure off of us when you submit your questions, comments, and show ideas to thyroidtalk.maza at gmail.com. That's an email address, not a message board. We may disclose your general location on air, the city or town, for example, but we will not read your name nor your address on the show. We reserve the right to edit your input as necessary. And please don't forget to ask your healthcare provider any specific questions regarding your wellness. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only.